the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hart. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Richard Angel. He's the owner of the Strong and Lean Academy, coaching professional women to quit fad dieting. So welcome on to the show, Richard. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Before we delve into today's topic, Richard, uh, can you give a little bit of um, behind the scenes, something people don't know about you for the listeners? Something they don't know about me. I'm a bit of an open canvas, so that's uh, an interesting one. I'm training for the Three Peaks for in September, so I've dramatically changed my training and some nutrition to support that goal. Um, just doing it really off for my own personal glory, um, and looking forward to doing it. To be honest, it's going to be interesting thing. I think mostly it's going to be a mental mental battle, mm-hmm. getting in and out of a car, climbing a a mountain for a few hours getting back into it and then driving to the next one but yeah really looking forward to it so in terms of the three peaks for the listeners uh is it in terms of let's see if i can get this right is it the three peaks that i'm thinking of snowden ben nevis and scarfell pike or is it a different challenge no yeah you're right it's the the highest in scotland england and wales most people start i think in the the ben nevis one get it out of the way because it's the the highest then they go on to Scarfell Pike down to Snowdon. And I think it takes, in terms of driving, maybe like 10 to 12 hours, I think, maybe a bit more. But we did, we've done a, a dry run. The guys I'm doing it, we've done a dry run of Scarfell Pike and that went really well. It just took a long time because I'm basically in the south of England, right by the sea. We've got to drive all the way out to the other side of the country to, to do it. So it's going to be a fun journey to, on, when we do it. Well, it's a good challenge in terms of that basis. It's, um... I would say, well, I've cheated uh, in terms of snow and I've gone up on the train. But in terms of giving a perspective for, for the listeners that aren't in the UK, that's the only one you can do, Snowden, but everything, everything else you'd have to walk up, whereas that one's got uh, the, how would I call this, tourist experience that people don't have to walk it up if they don't want to. Basis, obviously, uh, you'd have to buy the ticket return so you couldn't walk up and then catch the train back so it gives you the premise well you've either got to be of a mindset of the i call it the adventurer or either a tourist going from that mountain whereas the other two uh you've got to be prepared in terms of all eventualities to for whatever adverse probably weather conditions probably arise yeah and hopefully i uh because Snowden's like the last one on the on the route, hopefully I won't be needing that and I'll actually be able to get up it. Uh, but if it looks tempting, then... <laughs> well, 
Well, there's three, there's three different uh, walking paths on it. So I think I was talking to somebody the other day. They they took the the pig tracks because they wanted the challenge. But then obviously I know that's one of the more, that well it is the more difficult one up Snowden, and you could take uh, the more easy alternative. Uh, I'm not talking about the train, but in terms of the actual the tracks themselves. But obviously the looking at the, what you've already overcome, I think Scarborough Peg is, to some extent, more difficult in places. And obviously Ben Nevis is the most difficult. But In terms of, yeah, I'd say in difficulty, I've done Snowden before. did it about three, four years ago. And I would say Snowden's the nice one. A lot of cool views. Scarfell was difficult because there's a lot of like scree and, a lot of um, rough terrain that you have to go up. So it's a really, really difficult climb. So luckily we've, we've done that one already. So we know what we're getting ourselves into. Um, I haven't done Ben Nevis, but I hear it's like you say, the, probably the, I know it's the highest. I know it takes the longest, whether it's the toughest I'll find out in September, but Scarfell was a, a wake up call and quite an eye opener. So we know what we get ourselves into. And I think that's half the, the battle when you go into something is just knowing and being prepared for it. Sometimes it's good to just go feet first and see what happens. But, you know, planning, sometimes planning to, to prepare is preparing to fail. As cliche as it sounds, it's true. And that probably moves me nicely to what we were going to talk about today. And, uh, and from your opinion, and obviously you've written this where I've got the idea from, why do you think the word diet sparks up an uncomfortable feeling for people in their actual gut? Probably for a number of reasons. One being that for someone that's tried and tried to diet before, they've, they've obviously used that word and gone, right, I'm at X weight, but I want to be somewhere else completely different. Tried it, most likely had a painful journey if it is sparking negative emotions in them. And so whether they've you know gone off the diet and mucked it up or they've you know have tried it and it's it's not gone the way that they expected to they've put themselves in a position where they've labeled themselves or they've labeled the previous journey they've been on as bad and so subconsciously for the remain for when they want to try it again they're just going to repeat that same pattern and they're going to feel that same way it's like um i don't know having like a bad relationship if you if you have a bad relationship and you're you know afraid to get into one down the line then you're just gonna replay that bad relationship and then potentially think that all those future relationships that you'll get into are going to be the same when it's it's not true so i think it's just reminding yourself that once you find the one that works and one that's going to suit you for the rest of your life then it just becomes a lot easier and the journey becomes a lot more enjoyable right so you know as we kind of talked about before we, we jumped on air, diet is a way of life. So if we're enjoying it and the things that we're eating suit our lifestyle and our needs, then the journey just becomes so much more easier. But in terms of the actual word itself, Rich, um, why do you think, well, in your opinion, obviously I know the answer to a certain extent, why do you think it has been sabotaged uh misused and then people have this misguided notion of the actual word whereas what we talk about 
mm. it's everyday living. Got it. So I guess you can sign up for a diet, right? You can go on the X diet to give you Y result, try it out for X weeks and then come off the plan and lo and behold, haven't learned anything, not changed yourself, haven't moved into, you know, becoming somebody new, which I think a lot of the the battle is changing the way that you go about your lifestyle, your habit change, day-to-day life. And so you're almost you know, borrowing somebody's cookie cutter program, trialing it out and, and then, you know, succumbing to not learning anything new, going back to where you were before and then having this word diet as well. I've tried a diet. I've done one before. Didn't work. So I think understanding that, or, you know, for a lot of people removing the word diet and just changing it to perhaps, way of life would be a more beneficial route for them to to adhere to from a from a nutrition perspective but do you think it do you think it uh, i apologize to interrupt you there in in terms of do you think it's predicated on be it lifestyle experiences upbringing and environment somebody is brought up upon and it's obviously predicated on the basis of it's not their fault it stems from maybe uh, a misguided, I call it youth, be it from maybe their parents weren't taught, I'm not going to call them basics, but weren't taught the differences between what the minefield of nutrition has become. Obviously, you go back to how nutrition and 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 I'm going to use the word diet from this basis to, to make my point. It's evolved over time, be it as we've got more things of convenience, nutrition has become more and more of a problem. Whereas if you go back probably to the 1950s and earlier, the diet is totally different to us, but they were healthier. Yeah, but you could argue as well that with the advent of things like social media, internet, new digital age, that as soon as you, you've got an internet connection and you've got a social media profile, you've got yourself a voice, you've got yourself a soapbox. So it becomes very, very easy for almost you know a simple energy balance equation to become completely distorted with disinformation and misinformation, which is why there are probably hundred thousand diets all of them potentially will help you and work quote unquote diet anyway um but because i think people as well in this day and age they've it's almost this new ocd where it's like not ocd sorry um adhd where it's like well i've tried something for 30 minutes hasn't really worked for me so i'm gonna try the next thing the next thing the next thing people aren't committed and they're not giving the time and the patience for something to work so, you know, I think there's a, a multitude of factors for why 1950s nutrition was a lot more simpler. But obviously, the, as well, the advent of things like PubMed as well has meant that everyone's now a nutritionist or a nutrition coach because if you can read an abstract, you're now an authority in the industry. We get this a lot from, from journalists that are trying to report and give you the, the latest, you know, health research and literature when a lot of them are just trying to get 
something out because the, the deadlines are quite tough for them to adhere to. So it's almost like what what Dan uh, what Ben Goldacre calls channelism in his book. What's it called? Bad Science. Really good book. I'd recommend if you've not read it. Fantastic read. Um, and so I think as time goes on and we learn more about nutrition, there's always going to be this wider scope of different opinions. Like if you read one paper on maybe eggs gives you cancer, you can read 10 that would discredit that same theory and 10 that would perhaps say, well, actually eggs are quite beneficial for health. It reduces type two diabetes in X, Y, and Z populations. So the wider, the, the more information there is, the more chance there is of people dissecting it and almost giving like a Chinese whispers where one bit of information just becomes really distorted. So it becomes very difficult. But would you not argue as well, Richard, this, this notion of um, having all that information readily available and you and I have both um, sat down with Rich Wellington in terms of the, where I'm going to come from with this, in terms of the focus bit. If we've all got this this information readily at our fingertips, and be it at, with, uh, at arm's length for our eyeballs, aren't we going to be predicated to be very much not like a horse with blinkers on? We're going to be fixated, and I know people watching the audio can't see me where I'm going to do my hand, but we're going to have this outward perspective of, we're going to be able to see everything. So we're going to be like you mentioned, well, I want to try a bit of this. Oh, it's not worked. I'm going to go over here. And the actual focus is actually not best placed because you're trying to do a multitude of things and you mm-hmm. can't, and you go in probably further and further away from, uh, and this is the point I'm going to try and make in terms of this, but I did, probably didn't actually, say in my facebook live yesterday is you come further and further from your actual goal because you're fixated on well i want to try this i want to try that and then obviously you become overwhelmed and you're going to to a certain extent either not go anywhere and obviously be starting to tread water and the wheels are spinning and and you you think to yourself well why is it not why think why am i not seeing any results it comes down to that root. For, you, you're not actually sticking to one focus and going out and picking one or two things that I want to bang a nail into the ground and get, I'm not say perfect at, get good at, and then carry on and then take on board the next objective, the next goal, have a habit or behavior when I've nailed those down. Mm. do you think it's down to boredom well in terms of the ch- people changing from one to the other oh, there's generally the language that I'll hear be it from the clientele people that you, you, they, they have this notion of nutrition so to speak in their eyes is boring so I would be predicated to that as okay Monday to Friday you eat healthily Friday night you go overboard, so this, you probably can resonate with this in terms of some people. Uh, and then obviously Friday could turn into Saturday, Saturday turn into Sunday, and then and you put a post out not long ago in terms of your your your, your, your nutrition doesn't start stop yeah stop on Friday. You need to have it in in a mindset where it's a continuum. But in terms of this notion of boredom, rich. I would say yes, because you are fixated on, I'm only going to have 
certain things within my shopping list because of convenience, because it helps me to be able to stick to the regimen Monday to Friday. Uh, but then I would call that boredom because you're sick of eating the same thing over and over again. Whereas I would predicate, and it's probably trying to re-educate and reprogram the person to say, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your food because we're not going to be from one extreme to the other. You're not going to go with, well, I'm going to eat healthy Monday to Friday and on the weekend I'm going to go crazy and have things that I, well, readily enjoy for the short-term, I'm not going to call it gratification, the short-term fix of the chemical response I get because I'm eating the food. So it's trying to get people to bring back the f- the fun within their food. So it's, it's not an easy task, but mm. we've got to be up to, to the, 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 the challenge to be able to do that as the coaches. hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, I think again, if you, if you're looking at your shopping list and going, you know, this is really boring, then as you've, you know, you've kind of highlighted already, there's obviously something wrong with your shopping list <laughs> because I would say the same to someone that I'm, you know, helping or coaching. If your diet is not providing you with a little bit of fulfillment or a wide array of fulfillment and don't get me wrong that I think, I think there's a misconception of you can eat whatever you want, but I think you have to be within reason, right? You know, there's, there's the whole I, I F Y M crowd where it's like, well, as long as I hit my protein target, my carb target, my fat target, I'm going to be absolutely fine. And I think while there is a case for energy balance, there's not a case for perhaps nutrients, fiber, phytonutrients, vitamins, minerals, that kind of thing. So I think, Moderation with moderation is uh, <laughs> quite a good buzzword to, to kind of remind yourself that there are probably going to be certain parts of your diet, which, you know, you're not 100% like, yeah, I get to eat, you know, whoopee, this is great. You know, a lot of people don't like vegetables, but is there a case of having vegetables in your diet? Yes. doesn't mean you have to always have them and always be predicated to forcing yourself to shove them down your throat like for example for me i'm not really a big fan of things like leafy greens like spinach i I really struggle to have spinach in my diet but i know that there are a multitude of benefits of having spinach i.e like magnesium um like iron zinc that kind of thing um but you know is there a way around it is there a way i can actually get spinach in my diet well actually i found that when i have them in a shake i don't taste them so i can enjoy them and i don't have to be worried about you know, missing out on quote unquote magnesium quotas. So there's always a way of like providing them into a diet, but you need to find that diet that still provides you with an ice lolly or a, a Mars bar or whatever, where you don't feel guilty and you're not like, well, I've just completely ruined everything. And you don't want to have the same thing of, well, I've gone shopping at Aldi this week. I've completely skipped going down the, the sweet aisle and I've gone straight to the, meat vegetables and i looked into my basket or my, my trolley and all i saw was was boredom and, and laboriousness and it's like you need to find that in between so but, but do you think um people when they are disposed to that ideology do you think 
because they think they've had this journey of turmoil, I'm going to call it. And when they look to us as the figure of authority, oh, it's easy for you because you, you, you've generally not had a, call it traumatic experience, but thinking, well, everybody's had their issues with food, quote unquote, to some extreme or the other down the years. So they have, we have been in that place of solitude and done some silly things <laughs> down the years to be it, uh, to be the guinea pig, to be, be it from a training perspective a nutrition perspective, obviously in this case, before you give it to somebody else. So it'd be, well, I'm going to try it out for myself before I give it to the mass populace so I can, can find all the, I know the pros of doing it before I mm-hmm. start, but let me find the pitfalls as well. So when they do arise for somebody else, you've already been there and done it. So it'd be, I don't know, the one predicate most people do uh, is probably like keto diet in terms of taking carbohydrate out completely. Most people don't expect that they're going to hit a wall at a certain point. And people that work with me or come for help, I'll say to them, there is going to come a certain point within this diet, quote unquote, you are going to hit a wall and it is not going to be pleasant, be it. Um, it could be two weeks, could be three weeks, could be less. Okay, if you don't, obviously, if you, you you cheat yourself or cheat yourself along the way, that's going to be a little bit easier. But that, that element of flexibility is already built in. But then if you do stick it out, like we discussed, you are going to come to a head and you're going to hit this wall head on. And and I and I say to mine, for me it was two weeks and I was craving them uh like this like the cows are coming in in terms of I wanted biscuits, I wanted you know, in terms of I wanted anything that's <laughs> gonna give me uh, I won't call it energy, but it, it's because you've been programmed to in a, in a sense being hardwired for a good point in terms of that's where we get the, the most efficiency to prefer energy function is carbohydrates. So in terms of that, I know that's the pro- the problem. It's probably because the cognitive function that we discussed before coming in air is predicated on that. I've taken it away. My body's like, no, no, we've had enough of this. We feel good, but I want to function optimally now, James. It's time to bring it back in. So it's being able to look at that from a from an ideal perspective where the general populace and come to my point with this will like 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 you said come off this period of time of restrict of which in a sense is restriction i've got to results i'll go back to revert back to type and ramp up the carbohydrates which they probably because they haven't measured it thinking okay i'm not eating that much food and it's probably an overconsumption in terms of the Western world. And you go back to where you are. So it's it's very much re-educating people. Okay, for you and I, it's easy. We can gradually reintroduce that and see the effects and find an optimum level of uh, and play around from a diet, be it perspective. I can have a cut. 
going to have a carbohydrate day. Well, I'll call it car- what it is, a carbo-loading beer, carb day incorporated into into my day when I'm training. But if my my day is not as, um, what's the word I'm going to use? Strenuous. I can reduce that or, 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 or restrict it completely. Whereas for the normal population, and this is probably where education is key, is getting them to obviously find one that's best suited to that individual. Obviously, that probably may not work for them. But I had that as a lifestyle built in, be it from a sporting background and then probably uh, the science, you know, you go back in the day in terms of, you know, carbo loading before an event. Well, that's, that's uh, well, not total BS, but in terms of you'd have to do it way out to actually have a, an, an, an actual performance gain from it. 100%. And I would always ask someone, and I think the keto diet is always a really good uh, example. of <laughs> Like, if you had to do this in 30 years' time, would you be doing it? And I think for a lot of people, especially, again, the, the population that I work with, it's, it's a very, very restrictive diet, right? I think it has a lot of benefits. I think there's a, some good, there's a good message behind it. I, you know, if you struggle to manage your blood sugar levels, you know, is reducing carbohydrate intake a good idea? Possibly, possibly. But does it have to be so strict? Like, do you, can you, could you not just potentially follow like a lower carb diet rather than like, oh, I've got to now consume 50 grams or below? Because for me, like just making things as simple as possible is key. And I've started to do this a lot more recently as well. Just make things like less complicated. So with my own coaching, it's like, well, let's nail one thing first. So perhaps let's nail calories, do that, tick it off. Great. So maybe next we could look into protein, tick that off. Have you nailed it? Daily intake? Yeah, really good. And then we've got that flexibility with like the other side of things. But I think... From me, from my perspective as well, and again, going back to who I work with, it's like I'm, lo- I'm looking at health, right? And you've obviously got like the physical, so is your training okay? You've got like the mental, so, you know, how's your mindset? How are you, how's, your, how's your work career, that kind of thing. But there's also the social side of it as well. I think a lot of diets become so tough to adhere to from a social perspective that they're, they're just, you, you can't, they're impossible to adhere to, like almost impossible. Like with the keto diet, where can you realistically go in and eat out? And that's the difficulty. No, vegetarian or vegan, vegan restaurant, but that would be quite difficult to find in certain areas of be it the country or the world. Well, exactly. And well, the thing about the vegan and vegetarian diets is they're predominantly carbohydrate as well, aren't they? So it's like you almost, you've got no chance, none at all. But then it like, what what does what does the person want? You know, if they're like, well, do you know what? Five days of the week, I'd quite like to go low carb. Okay, great. And on the weekends, maybe then you can loosen the reins. And I don't mean loosen the reins as it go and eat fifteen pizzas and drink copious amounts of wine and beer. I mean, I just allow myself that maybe the pasta or the the half pizza or whatever it is. So you've got that room for flexibility. We don't have to be so dogmatic with our approach that 
you have to follow something from from Monday to Sunday, you can have a bit more of a free reign. So I think one of the difficulties with nutrition is especially there's no rules. It's all gray and there's no rules. I think people get stuck with that with the all or nothing approach. People are bottlenecked into to following something when it doesn't suit them or they don't want to do it. So it's just finding the thing that works best for, for the person. Do you think they're predicated then in, in terms of that thinking then rich in terms of it's got to be black and white then, more specifically, as opposed to looking at it uh, for the people that are very savvy with their, their cameras when you look at it, the camera can only see in, in grey. It's, it's a spectrum of grey, whereas I think people are probably fixated on it has to be either black or white, and I can't have anything in between. I think and this is probably where predicated on lots of things. People don't like going in that grey area. Yeah, grey is great, though. Grey means that you can do things that black and white people can't do. Like, oh, I'm not... I, you know what? I've, I've, I've got this... Um, the celery cleanse diet. So actually I can't have a, a different breakfast today. I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to cancel our, our ladies only breakfast today. And it's like, well, you could just ha- not do it today. Have a light lunch or something or have a light breakfast and then have one later. Very, very simple. Once you learn, I think once, once you understand that there are ways to, you know, change the rules and change the game. Once you understand that you don't have to be f- like, on the path all the time and that there are times where you can just sidestep and not always have to be, you know, on, 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 on black, black, black and white. Then you learn that, especially with dieting, that there's a lot, there's a, you know, it's, it's a long con. It's a, it's a long-term thing. And for someone that always sticks with black and white, they're going to be going up and down, up and down, up and down, because ultimately they'll just, they'll jump off of it because it's not sustainable. This is one of the problems we face in this day and age is sustainability and understanding that gray, that the gray area variables, and this is going to be a tweetable, <laughs> gray, the gray area variables will invariably dictate how you can go about your day-to-day living. But then wouldn't you also predicate it also consistency? It's, it's willing to look at sustainability like you said as a continuum but not fixating on the troubles be it that's where you've generally gone in your journey where the problems arisen you fixated on oh i'm not seeing results now Mm -hmm. i'm focusing on I'm going to call it Sue down the street as opposed to what I did in the Facebook live. I said, just a random person. They've got a better result than I have. You, you obviously leave your, that you leave from your path from that basis. Whereas what you're talking about is not having the guilt, uh, the mindset where I'm deviating off it. But I would, I would, well, I would probably predicate as well. That's not a bad thing. It's been very adaptable to the environment. You're not letting you're being adaptable to your environment. You're not letting your environment dictate to you. So it's very much if you can be in that mindset of I'm in charge. I'm controlling the 
the controllables, mm. the controllables will take care of them. the uncontrollable, should I say, sorry, will take care of themselves. So it's that eventuality you're allowed to, you, you're then that's allowed to live as opposed to what fad dieting and anything with restriction you get actually narrow focused in terms of, well, I'm not able to have a social life because of what we talked about. I can't go out and enjoy myself with my friend, my family, because nowhere within society or the conventional sense of the word from a restaurant perspective is going to be conducive of what I'm eating at this present moment. 100%. 100% and I think that's really I think that's the difference between a painful journey and a pain-free journey you know if can, can you stick to it can you enjoy it and I guess um if you if, if you're on it right and you're in the moment and you're enjoying it you know you just kind of feel it but if you're and I, you touched on this before if you're comparing yourself to if Sue down the street, as you put, <laughs> is comparing herself to uh, to Janet up the road, um, then you're going to be in for a world of misery, absolute misery. Especially if Janet up the road is following the ketogenic diet as well. Because if she's getting results on it, and Sue then tries the ketogenic diet but realises, well, actually, do you know what? doesn't really suit me at all. She's going to think she's a failure because the quote-unquote diet that she's that she's adhering to is not suiting her and if janet down the road is losing you know pounds 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 stone stone whatever whatever metric of measurement that you want to use then ultimately she's going to feel like a failure but you can't compare yourself to other people you just cannot do it we're just going to be in a world of hurt that that's one of the best things you can do for a pain-free journey is remember that you're that you're you you're you are your own entity and no matter what anyone else has gone through your own progress is going to be dictated by your own by your own self right so it's like comparing someone that maybe is like stress-free retired has got all the time in the world to train versus a you know stressed out 30 year old mum that has got so many responsibilities just becomes such a it's a different ball game isn't it completely different ball game yeah, but I think in terms of that argument, Rich, I think you're looking at it from an outward perspective to that other person's life. But then if you actually stepped into their shoes, okay, you can only do it figuratively as opposed to realistic, um, doing it for in rea- all reality, they would probably then compare themselves to either you or somebody else, be it you talk about be it the mother that, that that's not able to get to work be it because of the kids or work looking at the retired person with the retired the retired person is probably going to look at other things as to as the old adage when you do speak to people of that that generation it'll be uh, i can't change not everybody's going to say this but i can't change things i've i've become accepting of the fact I'm getting older Mm -hmm. I can't change that but that in terms of that actual mindset in itself is a fixed one because you would have no problems be it from that continuum to be adaptable and be flexible when you were younger 
but this all stems from how you're thinking and the language you're using to yourself. What predicates to why you can't change something? It, it, it's 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 it comes down to education, and I think, and this is the point I'm going to make in terms of uh, the individuality and not comparing oneself to anybody else. I think stems from education because we're told from a societal point of view we shouldn't be different. So that probably stems to, to the root problem in itself. Nobody looks at it. If you want to be, I'm going to coin, you know, the black sheep, it's generally looked at a negative perspective. Or if you want to go outside of the, the, the herd perspective, it's bad. So we're taught from the very off, if you want to step outside of the, the confines of the norm, there's something wrong with you. So that the, 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 the root psycholo- psychological problem is indented to that in the first place because we're told from the very off that you shouldn't step off this, this, this metaphorical path because something bad's going to happen. Whereas, well, okay, education itself, and I know I'm going off on a tangent now, is built on fa- factories and things like that. Whereas we don't live in a society like, well, they, they're still there, but in terms of, it's an ever evolving um, continuum from that basis. But that's where I would say the root cause deep down in everybody's consciousness is there. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's why mindset is such a key variable in this whole thing, isn't it? Right. I guess that's why you're the mindset athlete because it's built on that belief that you need to remove yourself from maybe perhaps a fixed mindset into, you know, something's a bit more, open-minded and, and changes the way they use words you know i'm i'm not x so i must feel y rather than how can i you know get to here if i'm feeling like this right now it's just about the way you talk to yourself um and you know being black sheep's more fun right at the moment it's more common and statistically more likely to be overweight and unhealthy than it is to be healthy you know more people are going to be judging you for eating a um broccoli stem in the middle of an office than they will be to when you're eating a Kit Kat. So. Why it comes, it comes down to that in a root, in a root cause, I think is misinformation. It's, it's brainwashing to a certain extent from a marketing, marketing perspective, because it will be, well, you talked about Kit Kat. What was, I think was their slogan, take a break. (laughs) So so that's, (laughs) that in itself, that in itself is, um, a massive one because it'd be oh, okay i've got five minutes rest from my work what do i do and it's been programmed into you be it what well, my own my 30s you're probably in, in, in your late late 20s be it 20s we've been conditioned to through marketing to do certain things uh, okay as you and i are probably coaches we identify with this as a problem how do i solve it i don't necessarily need to have it but if i do uh something counterintuitive to that problem why not but i think because of and i'll go right back in terms of this this argument you're talking about between a vegetable uh, and um, a chocolate bar 
uh, I was given a chocolate bar from at my christening, and I probably about a couple, a couple, maybe about a year old. Or something like, I know what to do with a chocolate bar, but if you move that scenario to nowadays, you'll see kids being given sweets just to make them be quiet. But if the parents were better educated, where I think this is where schools need to become better at, um, oh God, what's the lesson called? Home at, home at, home, home, thing or whatever you want to call it. And maybe I have had this argument before where P may needs to become a more prominent, uh, oh, I can't think of the word, more prominent figure within the curriculum. Whereas mm. it's very much, oh, well, P needs to take on board maths, English, science. Science probably would take on board some of the elements of, of P because the, the intangibles are the same. But I think that's where nutrition and be it from the basis of, of that, that, that course, as I'm going to call it, mm. could use some things from what, obviously the what the kids that are more sporty and want to do GCSE PE could teach that because it's it's around health, healthy living, uh, sustainable way of life, where as in that and I'm not judging it, that other co- that other lesson is built on be it teaching people how to, to make cakes. Whereas if you taught the basis of proper proper nutrition then and taught people how to cook properly they're able to take care of themselves and and did this system of convenience with microwavable food and, and and takeaways and fast food joints okay it's not going to dissipate but it would become less of a problem because you've given the people the tools to be able to look after themselves yeah 100 percent. and this is probably why the school curriculum probably needs uh, <laughs> probably needs um, readjusting or reviewing or whatever you want to deem it. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think it's taking elements of probably every uh, curriculum throughout the world and taking the best bits of each other because this is probably massive where comparison comes from because it'll be what they use from a journalistic perspective the Scandinavians don't get any homework well this country could learn to do from there it's like well okay that's an aspect of they put more importance on play you're going to find ways of doing things because uh, there's another, I can't remember, there's a TV, and I meant to write it down, like, and I didn't write it down quick enough, in terms of that's how animals beca- build things within themselves, is through play, because they're, they're honing, there we go, I've got it now, they're honing their skills, but we as human beings don't do that. It's very much non-PC, be it, it's not within health and safety to be able to do certain things, go outside when it's raining, go outside when it's snowing because somebody might get hurt where are you thinking well back in my day that wasn't a problem it's it 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 it, it gives you that notion to be able to discover for yourself it's making you think whereas if you are lowering somebody's ceiling 
and it's not even a glass ceiling, you're, you're probably putting something very much of a concrete uh, ceiling in place where they're not able to be able to get through. They can't think for themselves, so they are very much reliant on another, an, another individual to be able to mm. make decisions for them. They're not obviously they're not going to question things, but that's not going to help the individual going forward because it's very much restrictive. Everything is now predicated on you taking other people's, be it credentials. Uh, influence as gospel whereas i think if you you had that system in place where you're able to discover have fun and and all those things that come with it you are going to be more questioning of things that be well i don't agree with that you've told me option a let me see if there's an option b and let me make an up uh, make my own opinion of option c if that if i don't agree with be it one I've been positioned towards me, one I've found. Let me see if there's something I can take from reflection on them both. And I come up with option C and that's my opinion. Uh, but I think it's predicated. You t- We talk about nutrition now. I think people think things as gospel. It's, it's that's work for such and such down the street. Sue, Janet, Oh, it must work for me. Well, it doesn't nutrition doesn't work like that? It's it's very com- we you say it's simple, but the underlying stuff is complex. It's it, hormone. The body is going to play a massive factor of how you respond to it, and it's yeah. it's not an exact science. It's you've got to have this element of flexibility and trial and error. But I think because you, we talked about it in terms of is a built hardwired problem deep down where it's not worked for you in the past and obviously your brain is very hardwired to come up with a solution to to the, to this problem well okay it's not worked for me in the past it's not working for me right now so what's the remote, emotional response going to be the same so it's trying to break that chain of events and trying to, like we talk about, language, how we view food, and actually bringing this element of, I would say, childhood back to certain extent. Obviously, some people are going to have more difficulties with that than others because they're going to be, they might have had more problems with, with eating habits when they were younger, be it, oh, what's the word I want to use? Um, picky eating, in terms of they've got a connection to that. Okay. You you talk about you got a problem with spinach. I think because of my nature of maybe how I thought, and this is very much comes down to environmental factors, be it your family, be it very curious to try new things. Well, let me try it. If I don't like it after the fact that I've eaten it, okay. I'll put it. I don't. I don't. I don't like it at this period in time. And a good example of that is Brussels sprouts. I, I hated them as a child. I. I, um, I won't say I love them, but I think maybe how they've gone about them nowadays. I see the benefit of them. I enjoy them. But that's mm. that's a very much a 
in, indicative of everybody. You, there's going to come a point, certain point in time where you don't like something, but it's having that open-mindedness to, well, try it. I like to use this coin, this phrase, um, what have you got to lose? Health, potentially. But I suppose when, when you were younger, did you know the benefits of Brussels sprouts or were you just told to eat them? Um, no, well, generally when you'd have them, probably be Christmas predominantly. Mm-hmm. So it'd be okay. It's a, it's, a, it's a British tradition to have it on your plate. Uh, no, my family was very, not, not, wouldn't tell me to eat it. I'd eat all my other vegetables, but have one. Try it. Then if you don't like it, we won't force you to eat it. Mm. But I think that's flexibility in parenting. Be it, it's not old school, be it, oh, what was one I seen on TV? Even from a basis of cartoon, you can't leave the table to be eating your, uh, I can't remember what green it was. You can't leave it. That's forcing to somebody to do something they don't want to do. There's always going to be conflict there because it's like, well, you're telling me something I don't want to do. I'm going to put the shutters up, put the barriers up and not do it. And it's, I don't know. I, 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 why has that changed? I've tried different scenarios, probably it's it to, to come to love them, be it, you know, putting condiments on it trying to mark like you said with with a, with a uh, smoothie it's trying to mask the fact of it and then you probably probably from a cognitive way and this is how i'm going to picture it picture it sorry your body probably responds to the benefits of it and then you you probably do it from that basis but i think it does come down to a factor of learning I've always been a predicator towards health. So it's wanting to better that knowledge, be it, well, what's the benefits of such and such food towards my body? Okay. Be it, were you talking about mag- magnesium? Well, that's a massive one to, to, to what I know now within mental health. Well, that's a massive predicator to, towards your mental state and well being. Whereas, okay, for the general populace, they may not want to know the underlying things of it. But if you say, well, X, Y, and Z are going to help you solve um, problems of mood, they're okay with that. Okay, I need to incorporate some of those nutritional components within my diet to alleviate this problem. Whereas I think they're more, well, okay, it's, it's becoming less and less stigmatized from that basis. So it's okay. I want to conform within the norm of society from that basis. Okay. I'll take this bit of nutrition with me and implement it. But I think it is very much, I think using this metaphoric one to, to actually encapsulate what we'd be speaking about is looking at from a library perspective, you pick and choose what you want to off the, off the bookshelf and not be it predicated to me dictating, well, you must read, such and such book to get results it's you going into this massive building um okay depending on how big your library is and you go into i don't know non-fiction fiction history whatever your cup of tea is 
and you pick elements off that you want you think would be best suited to you and your lifestyle and i think that is the best way in course of going in with that that i see would you agree with that yes and i think everyone's got a different approach right um i'm not gonna prescribe everyone with the exact same thing um and depending on the person will depend on the way that i will that i would i would like to show their pathway you know because I, ha- I can't be, you can't be dogmatic to your own systems, right? There's always going to be an outlier. There's always going to be either an outlier or different variables that are going to dictate the way that you can you can go. But you, you mentioned a good point actually about um, trial and error. I think that's a really key thing. A lot of people don't have the patience to um, to almost stick something out to see if it works best for them. Again, going back to maybe this. Um, culture now where everyone expects results almost immediately when it's like well how long did it take you to get you know your results like six pack abs or whatever the the metric is it's like how many weeks did it take and it's like weeks (laughs) try freaking years (laughs) turning up every day all the time you know always always being there and giving 100 percent. and even if you can't give 100 percent, then at least just turning up and doing what you can so um, depending on the person depends on, on the route ultimately so my penultimate question to you Richard now and I'm going to rephrase it to, to, make, to make it suit this episode is how would you get somebody to either change or challenge their nutritional beliefs I would look at where they're at right now I would look at perhaps some of the the negative habits that they're they're doing you know um if for example if it's on a friday night they really like to drink a bottle of wine i would take that and i'd go so what does that give you what does that what does that give doing that give you in your you know your day-to-day life and it's what actually it reduces my stress rich it brings it down it's like okay so you drinking a bottle of wine does that that habit is that a positive thing or a negative thing because you know ultimately it's it's going to affect their sleep potentially it's going to affect their calorie balance energy balance and how they feel in the morning you know whether they're hung over and saturday's a complete write off looking at habit and maybe then re like changing it and going well do you know what i'm going to flip this on its head and maybe in order to to defragment or to de-stress on a friday night perhaps there's something else i could do that be more beneficial going for a walk meditating yoga and i would just basically take something that's perhaps a negative habit and then just switch on its head and remove it and bring something else in and i would just start to that piece by piece by piece um and what was the sort of the second part of the question that was to change um i think you probably answered in terms of challenge and then in terms of challenge get them to do it it's challenging itself sometimes. Um, picking apart 20 years of negative habits is, is difficult. And sometimes that's all you need and the rest will just fall. And my final question to you, Rich, before we wrap up the episode, is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would mm. that be? I would say... 
find what works best for you stick with it so once again richard thanks again for coming on the mindset athlete podcast thank you very much it's been a great chat with you the pleasure's been all mine if you like this episode please do share it with your friends and do let richard and i know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on instagram at richard angel official and at james o roberts 11 and again you can do the same on twitter and facebook and finally do check out his website strongandleanacademy.com and again do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk forward slash free dash resources make sure to check those links out they will be in the description you can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category nutrition so once again thanks for listening and i'll catch you next week for another episode the Mindset Athlete Podcast.